0: You need more than just technology to make a lasting change in this world. And that's why Neon One offers a nonprofit platform that's designed to grow with you, providing software and resources that help nonprofit professionals make their connections that matter. Connections with their peers, connections with their supporters, and connections with their mission. Learn how Neon One makes it easy to design amazing generosity experiences by visiting neonone.com slash good
1: We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world.
0: So let's get started. Becky, are we just not so pumped right now?
1: I mean, I have one of my favorite writers and storytellers on the podcast today, one of my favorite friends. And let me tell you a little story because once upon a time, we got an email into our inbox and (laughs) it was like, I am so, I'm so excited to just show the broccoli in our teeth on this because I just think it's hilarious. (laughs) We got this email from our esteemed guest, Christy Kern, and she's like, Hey, y'all love the podcast. I'm in pro. I am loving the content. Are you aware that there is a video in there where John and Becky are bickering? (laughs) not get edited. I don't even know what we were going back and forth about. But let's let's face it. Christy Kern told us in the kindest way possible, you know, in an ethical and dignified way, how we can clean up our content. And that is the basis of how this relationship started. So now that you know this story and this incredibly kind human, we're going to talk about spreading the love of ethical storytelling today. It is my absolute profound joy to introduce you to Christy Kern. She is a facilitator. She is a researcher into ethical storytelling. And what she is discovering that is really nuanced about how ethical storytelling needs to be integrated into our brand. She is a seasoned communications consultant who has traveled the world working with uh, hundreds of businesses and nonprofits organizations through the lens of this ethical storytelling. She's coaching and leading workshops. Not only does she work with clients to find clarity within their messaging, she can help that message be conveyed in the right way. And we talk about this so much on the podcast about how are we giving, dignity to the person who is providing us this story and opening their heart and connecting it to our mission. And Christy's going to walk through us all of that today. So after more than a decade of living abroad, she settled in Chicago with her husband, Hagen, and their incredible curly canine, Watson. So Christy Kern, get in our house. It is overdue for you to come in and have a conversation with us.
2: I am so excited to be here. Gosh, I just want to like spend my days in conversation with you guys. So that's really like, Let's make that happen.
0: Because <laughs> let's read the last line of your of her of her bio that we left out. She's a huge fan of putt putt and loves searching for good tacos. You're our people. That's oh about my the, gosh, that's how did the I miss that? like thing that I can do. People <laughs> like who talk Putt-Putt.
1: tacos to us <laughs> are our people. It is our yeah. happy love language. Food. We are for good. We are for food. Also, so <laughs> Christy Kern, we want to know about you. Like you have such a global story. I love how you've worked. I mean, you've been in Switzerland, you've been in Asia. And talk about growing up. Talk about this incredible heart you have for telling stories that matter in the right way. And let us know about little Christy Kern and and how this developed in her heart early on. Oh my goodness.
2: I I wanted to be a spy growing up. I was so (laughs) into James Bond and I was convinced that I was going to be like the first female 007. By the way, if you've watched the last one, I clearly didn't, you know, achieve that goal. Someone beat me to it. But I did actually went down the whole route of, you know, looking into the FBI, the CIA, um, made it for for pretty far along in the process um, and realized that I could not lie for a living. And again, this is not to say anything against amazing people who protect A a lot of things, right? This is not a. This what
0: a spy would say, Christy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My cover is my cover. I don't know, Um, but I just it didn't sit well with me. And again, this is not to to make a dig at at a chosen profession that I think can be very honorable. But um, I switched gears and went into humanitarian work, as one does, right? (laughs) One eighty fly out of an airplane. I might as well like be on. I don't know. So I did. I went into development work and kind of that's how I landed a little bit in this space.
1: Incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love your journey. And I I, know the time that we've spent with you, you just are like us, that we are geeks about storytelling. We just really Mm -hmm. believe in the power of it and so much beyond just the surface level of what a story can do. And so I want to give you space today because we want to bring you on and talk about frameworks. I mean, a lot of us are looking for ways to implement this in our mission. So You set the tone for really creating a framework and talk us about the, you know, the keys of communication and how it relates to nonprofits.
2: I am a huge fan of frameworks, you know, and, and here's the thing too. I've been in marketing and communication for a really long time. And I think we're in a, I don't know what you would say, a wave of time where people develop five steps and then they sell it. Like do these five steps and your nonprofit marketing will forever be changed or this is the way to do it. And I think that's, well and good in a lot of ways. But I also think that um, the reason I'm a big fan of frameworks rather than five steps is I think that they're those guardrails that you get to play in a little bit. And I think when you have a space of not do these things, but here's kind of how you can craft something. And it gives you almost like a play, a sandbox to play in, right? Maybe a little bit more. Um, So I, you know, in my bio, you talked about the fact that I facilitate. I came across a company called Story Brand several years ago. I'd been love working. Brand. I know. So do I, which is great because <laughs> I now work such for a them. Great so I, <laughs> <laughs> it would be bad if I said no at this point. But I um, I facilitate workshops for them. And and the reason that I love that job so much is exactly this. It is a framework that I can give people and it allows them. To craft a story within boundaries that just help them understand what they're doing and create something that comes out on the other side, really clear and really powerful and really compelling. Um, And so I think getting a chance to kind of help people find their way in this space is, is just a really cool thing.
1: I agree with you because sometimes those lists, as well-intended as they are, put so much rigidity in the list. And it's like, you know, the world is changing day by day right now, especially digitally. How we interact is changing day by day. And we have to lean into the nuance of that, which we talked about a little in your intro. And so I, I want to ask you a little bit to talk about like setting the tone for these keys of communication and how it's going to relate to nonprofit
2: today. So I kind of landed on these four, yeah, I call them the keys of communication. And they're really just things that I have come to be my own guiding principles in communication. And I'm going to back up really quick. You know, we talked, I think, John, you mentioned that we kind of nerd out, geek out about story. I came to this space because I did so many things wrong. And I, if there is a message that I want to kind of stand on today, it's the fact that I have a lot of grace for that. And I am out to talk about these things because I love, love, love to prevent folks from making some of the same mistakes that I made. You know, I think um, I got these amazing experiences. You know, I lived overseas. I got to do communication on behalf of some really incredible organizations. And the truth is, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I just made some bumbling errors that I would love to prevent from happening, you know, in the future. And so coming out of my own space of just bumbling through this, not always doing things right, I've really landed on some guiding principles that I use when I communicate and, and hopefully I help others as well. Um, and one of them really, I, I borrowed um, very graciously from Brene Brown, but it's this idea that to, to be clear is to be kind, right? And she she talks about this kind of in our capacity of setting expectations, And I think this is so true in our communication as well, that really, when we are, when we complicate things, when we try to be clever instead of clear, when we overly, um, you know, when we confuse people, we're actually making it harder for them, maybe to engage with our organization, maybe to know what we're asking of them. And so I think one of the first principles that I try to lean into is how do we make this clearer and clearer? Because it's not just, good practice. It's actually an act of kindness to the person on the other side of that communication.
1: Oh, that was so kind. Excellent. I love that too. And so go into the second one because I think there's four of these, right?
2: There is. The second thing that I have really landed on is this idea that dignity is really at the root or should be at the root of all of our communication. I've thought so much about our roles that we play um, as marketers, as communicators, even as donors and and beneficiaries and givers. And I'm I'm learning more and more that we have kind of created these um, hierarchical structures of I need something from you and I'm taking something from here and I'm giving something here. And I think we've come by way of that, honestly, but I think by putting people in these kind of predefined roles of you're a donor, so I need to woo you into giving me money, or you're a beneficiary, so I need to collect something like a story from you in which to share with this donor. I think we have kind of lost a little bit of the dignity of the humans in those roles. And, and this isn't just about the dignity of our beneficiary, although that's a Space I will camp out in all day. But I also think it's about our dignity as the marketers. I think it's about our dignity as the person reading that marketing, right? Of, of really expecting and, and teaching our donors that we recognize their inherent dignity as well and their role in this, that it isn't just about needing something from them. So, a, lot, a lens that I try to use in everything that I work on and put together is that we really see the person in each of these spaces love that
0: I mean, this is you are you're putting to words the things that I know we hold really true and try to amplify on this and so I think this framework these guardrails are really helpful and
2: um, the third one is to know what you're for um I think especially in today's politicized climate, we're so eager to jump into what we're against, right we we we're always kind of railing against one thing or another, and and there is a place for that, right? I am the first person who will get up in a soapbox and tell you all day long about what I'm against, but I'm really trying to lean in this space of being um, a lot more uh, strongly, taking a stand for what I'm for, and understanding it's not just about being against something, but it's really about understanding the principles or the um, belief systems that I want to stand behind and really leading with that rather than leading with what I'm against. And I have found that this is such a powerful mindset shift. And it's one that I have to kind of remind myself over and over again, because again, it's a lot easier to come back to, I don't want this to be true in the world versus I want this to be true instead and leading with that.
1: And I love that from a communication standpoint, because the consistency of using those words over and over is something that your, your followers, your believers, your donors, they start to see that. And the repetition of that, I mean, we know as marketers, consistency is key. And seeing that, they're going to start to reflect that back to you, which is the coolest moment when that does happen.
2: Oh my gosh! Think about the wave that that can create when right. you have yeah. these people who are all rallying together for something. I mean, that's that's a powerful momentum shift. I think.
1: Agreed.
0: Agreed. It's kind of just like the whole idea too of just like, don't bring me the problem. Like, also come with like what, how we can move forward. And I think there's power in that of aligning people about something they can get excited about the vision
2: yeah you're casting this vision for what could be, right and you're inviting people into that story of this is the better world that 's possible. How do we move people into that space okay, so we 're dying to know final one bring us home <laughs> <laughs> final one um, always anchor in value. This actually came several years ago. i co hosted an online summit um, with a dear friend of mine and When we sat down to do this, we sat down to talk about all the things we didn't like about online summits um, and all the things we did, clearly, (laughs) know what you're for. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that we were really clear on that we were for was that we were not going to put out a single email, social media post or presentation that didn't have deep inherent value in it. And truthfully, we cut a lot of stuff for that very reason. We would comb through every piece of communication with that lens of, does this email actually deliver value? If it doesn't, it got axed. And I, it was a painful process to also realize how much content we were creating for the sake of content. That hurts Um, me for you, honestly, because
1: I think (laughs) about that on our end too, for things that we haven't published. I get
2: it. Yeah. It, you know, especially as folks who earn a living by creating content for marketing and communications. It's a really hard thing to, to take that critical lens and say, does this actually deliver real value? Or am I just doing this because I'm supposed to get an email out this Wednesday? Or, And so I have come back to this time and time again. Again, these are things that I put these out because I need them to constantly be guard- guardrails for me, but to make sure that I'm not posting things for the sake of posting them or writing an email simply because it's a Wednesday, but that whatever is contained in that has true value for the person who's on the other side of it.
0: One of the themes that we love to bring up on the podcast, because I mean, we're like you, we are practitioners for so long that it's like we want to help encourage the sector to like lean into this is ethical storytelling. And I know it's a huge passion of yours. So will you help us kind of walk through how you would with a client of how do you morph a story or approach and to find this dignified approach instead?
2: I think kind of like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, I started off, again, loving frameworks and appreciating that there are some really good ones out there. In fact, if you go over to like ethicalstorytelling.com, these folks have already done a beautiful job thinking through kind of to-dos and not-to-do lists. And so I am not out to reinvent any wheel. I think some really beautiful groundwork has been laid in these. And I, if you are in this space, go check some of these resources out. One thing, though, that I have started to realize over time is that the word ethical was tripping me up a little bit. This is a very recent kind of unpacking for me. What do you guys think about? Let me ask you this. You guys think a lot about ethical storytelling. What do ethics – what comes to mind when you think about ethics?
1: John, we're like put on the spot. But I'm like what I feel like is like doing the right thing, inherently doing the right thing. And I define the right thing kind of as like – what does our moral compass say? What is the little, we in our house, we call it the little man that lives in our gut that tells us when <laughs> something is right or wrong and is it kind and is it something we would want and does it value align? So I don't know what you would say, John, but that's me.
0: Um, I kept thinking like centering the human, you know, and I've done a lot of just like personal reflection of just the words I used even throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, I'm realizing I use words that were triggering or maybe even putting people in defining them by words that we're just trying to raise awareness. But in in retrospect, we're actually just perpetuating more of the problem, you know, too. So I think I have both those kind of things in my
1: head. Mm, love that.
2: I do, too. I think that is such a beautiful definition. In fact, I'm really glad that there's going to be a transcript because I'm going to borrow that. Um <laughs> I think when I started in this space, I I am somebody who does really well with black and white. So coming back to that sense of, you know, to be clear is to be kind. I appreciate clarity in what expectations are of me, right? I appreciate clarity. in am I doing it right or am I not doing it right? And it's just a little bit of how I'm wired. And so when I came into this, I wanted to clearly know, am I doing storytelling, ethical storytelling, right? Or am I not doing it right? And what has been so hard for me is that I think it is the little man in your gut. It is not such a clear-cut check these boxes. And I am a fan. I do think there is a time and a space for those check boxes to make sure, hey, did we do all the things that we meant to do? Kind of like a packing list. Did I get all the stuff in my suitcase that I meant to get in there? But at the same time, even packing is a little bit, what's the weather? What do I want to wear to that dinner I have to go to? I think ethical storytelling has a lot more nuance in it to exactly this. Am I building a connection first and foremost? Am I creating stories in a way that make the both of us feel good about what that story is and how I share it? And so as I've gotten into this, I've started kind of relating this a little bit more to like story stewardship than ethical storytelling in the sense. Again, these are words that are helping me unpack things. They may or not be helpful for other folks, but of of this way that think about when a really good friend shares a story with you, you treat that story very differently than you do if it's somebody you don't know, right? If if Becky and I were sitting down or John and I were sitting down and I share something kind of personal with you, you're probably not going to turn around and write a social media post about it, right? Right. (laughs) And yet unintentionally sometimes I think that's when we collect these stories from beneficiaries or even from board members or things we we treat them a little bit like a commodity and then that checklist comes into place of did I ask them okay I did tell them I was going to post this am I using good words or bad words okay I, I made sure I didn't use this word but we're we're not really coming at it from the place and again I'm I'm speaking really from my own experience. So I want to be really careful here. But this is where I have messed up in the past. I've wanted the checklist and I've missed the relational connection to really treat this as a conduit for building a connection rather than as a commodity to be used um, that you know, in that story. And so this is where some of that nuance in the ethical storytelling has come for me of really how do I treat everybody with that sense of is this right or wrong? Do I feel it in my gut that this is honoring to somebody? Um, John, how your definition was so beautiful of like, mm-hmm. does this person feel empowered and dignified and, and better because of this experience? So that's where I'm landing these days. Are you or your organization exploring your
1: options or planning a tech purchase this year?
0: Whether it's a new CRM system, digital ads, or marketing support, we'd love to introduce you to some of our trusted friends in the sector who are delivering some of the most innovative and easy-to-use tech in the sector.
1: Not only does this help our hearts know that our We Are For Good friends are getting that VIP experience in this journey, but your referral helps us power more free content into this good community.
0: So if you're considering your options or you just need a starting place, our team is here to help. Connect with us. Visit weareforgood.com slash refer, or even just shoot us a DM. That's weirdforgoodcom slash refer. Hey friends, do you want or need a plan to reach your fundraising goals this year? Or maybe you're looking for a playbook for how to show up with more confidence as a nonprofit leader?
1: Take your skills, confidence, and impact through the roof in 2023. Join us inside We Are For Good's professional development experience and community in We Are For Good Pro.
0: So inside, you'll find workshops and live coaching events with Becky and myself, and you'll even see some of your favorite past podcast guests, too.
1: Get activated today at weareforgood.com backslash learn.
0: I mean, you just said relationship over commodity. I'm like, holy cow.
1: I feel John's about to make a graphic out of that. It's coming for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I, but I also want to, I want to, to come into this space of vulnerability with you and tell you, uh, you know, I've been a writer my whole life and I don't think, I've done this well, you know, fully in my career. And I think I'm still messing it up right now, you know. But I do think if I were going to give any counsel to anyone listening just about something that I've learned, it's like how you come into it at the very beginning and how you set that tone is very, very important. And I think it's different when you say, hey, we'd love to tell your story, which is what I would do in the past. But now we say things like, we would love for you to help co co-tell this story or co-build this story with us. And I'll give you an example. So we had JJ Velasquez on For Good Humans Week um, last December, and and he had been incarcerated, wrongfully convicted and incarcerated for 24 years. And when he was exonerated, I mean, can you imagine the trauma of that? And as we were building that script and that conversation, we did a lot of pre-work with him. And it was a lot of questions about, about uh, are these the right words? How does this feel to you? You know, do you want to take any of this out? Is this where the conversation wants to go? You know, and this is your story. That has to be underpinnings because we are really dealing with people who have gone through deep trauma. And we want to be respectful of that. And we want to make sure that the story that we tell through our medium, We Are for Good, aligns with the message that he wants to get out about justice and about um you know revitalization and about community engagement and also you know there's a great he I love that I brought him up accidentally because he was a part of curating the first TEDx at Sing Sing Prison in New York and it was lifting the voices of prisoners and letting them have a voice ha- letting them have dignity And in a place where they felt society had discarded them. And so that's just one example. And I can tell you, we are not getting it right all the time here. But like you, we are students of this. We are evangelists of trying to learn more. So thank you for saying that. And I just want everybody to know that we're on this journey too.
2: This is one of many, many reasons why I adore you guys and the work you're doing and I think it's just that, like peeling back this curtain and, and letting people see the messy behind the scenes of these things coming to light. You know, we we read an email that has a story in it, or we see a YouTube video, or we hear it on a podcast, and we don't always understand and appreciate all the work that went into building that relationship behind the scenes, all the editing, exactly what you said. Are you comfortable with this? Do you want to rephrase this? Did we not say this right? Right. That, that's what real relationship looks like, I think. And getting to the point of, again, this is no longer a commodity that I'm sharing or using for some end goal. This is really a sense of you helped people build a relationship through hearing that story. You created connections. And I agree. I don't think any of us will always get it right. But I think getting to see how we move through this process, that's where I'm learning the most is watching other people say, here's how I'm developing you know my journey, my process towards collecting stories and building relationships, and that's the fact that you're kind of pulling the curtain back and sharing that is just beautiful and phenomenal.
1: well, we should like i I think we should be talking about everything, what's working, what's not working, like let's fail forward together and i and I'm just really curious about your research because. You know, I just want everybody to know every time that I've talked to you, Christy, in the last like year and a half, you're just like a sponge. You, you're you just, you put your flag down and you say, this is what I'm here for. I want to create awareness about it. I want to create ripples with it. And you've done all this research on it. And I would just love to know, like, what are your research findings about ethical storytelling?
2: I think there are some amazing organizations out there um, that are really leading the charge and being very vulnerable on this front. Um, One of them, if you don't follow already, is 100 cameras. They have actually made a really conscious decision, which I think is beautiful, to start removing themselves literally from the picture um, and really just focusing on who they're serving. And I I have watched them. They're not talking about this. (laughs) I know a lot, but they are doing it in such a genuine way of really shining the spotlight on, again, knowing what they're for and empowering the people they're serving and making it all about them and less about the organization. Um, I had an incredible opportunity this summer to go with a group called Kindred Exchange to Uganda. And they are also at the kind of, I'll say, vulnerable forefront of saying, we might not be getting it right, but we're going to talk about it every step of the way. And when we need to course correct, we're also going to talk about it. And they're just doing such a great job. They're, they're reorienting their language constantly. They're trying things. They're, you know, collecting feedback and saying, this is working well, this isn't. And I just have the most, again, this is how we learn. Like, I just have the most immense respect for organizations that are putting themselves out there and just saying like, let's learn together. And so um, I would say the biggest takeaways that I have gotten is actually this something that I'm leaning into a little bit more of, Hey, we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have, you know, this locked in and perfectly aligned to kind of move forward with this. We can learn and grow as, as we move forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, every time we talk about ethical storytelling to me, it comes back to like, we are creating this magnet of like valued people. And like, those are the people you want closest to your mission anyway. You know, I mean, we, Talk about be gathering believers around your mission. Like that's more powerful than just donors. And I'm like, that's how you do it. Like when you live your values out loud, like a hundred cameras, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I shouldn't have Googled them because now I'm lost in the vortex of hundred cameras. Which <laughs> but
1: you had a hundred conversations, right? On your trip to Uganda. That was a part, I mean, I I, will put that post in the show notes because you did a long dive about what you learned when you had a hundred conversations on this trip and what you learned about ethical storytelling. And I I think that it was just brilliant.
2: Thanks. I, you know, I'm actually still in the middle of those hundred conversations. And I, I think what's really so amazing to me is that I, I started off not knowing where this is going. I still don't know where this is going. But I think so many people bring in new perspectives. I had someone, um, I'll, I'll shout out, Raj Lula at Fruitful Marketing is really working in the just marketing space. He's really um, anchored in the DEI space and thinking about what does it look like to ha- to bring a more just approach to our marketing and, and just is doing that with such grace and conviction um, and there's so many parallels and overlaps to his work and to this, you know, ethical storytelling side. And I, um, Maria Bryan, who we were talking about earlier, is is Love looking Maria. into trauma-informed marketing. And I think there's just so many different kind of avenues into this of just what can we, what what all can we bring into this space? I don't think that it is so, um, like, here's our circle of ethical storytelling and here's our circle of marketing and here's our circle of Donor relations. I think that it is such kind of the 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 ecosystem underneath all of this to say, how do we kind of come back and instill dignity in everything we do? How do we come back and really build relationships first before we put out content? Um, I, I hope that becomes at least for me, I hope that underlies everything that I learned to do going forward.
0: I think that's beautiful. And I wonder if you would lead us into like some do this, not that. We love doing this on the podcast, just getting really (laughs) practical. Like what's some stuff you see out there that you're like, instead of doing it this way, maybe this is a more
2: impactful way to do it. So when it comes specifically to storytelling, I would say a couple of things that I have really appreciated. I have heard people talk about this and I saw this firsthand in Uganda. When we were on the field we, there were no cameras that came out right away, meaning that before we started collecting any sort of materials, be it photos, videos, whatever, there was really an intentional space of building relationships first and foremost. And I think by the time cameras came out, it was such a different, like, let me take a selfie with my new best friend versus like, here's somebody that lives overseas that you should see a picture of. And so I would say one thing that I have really loved is that, again, intentionality of relationship first. Um, Another kind of do that I have loved is really kind of centering exactly what you said earlier, Becky, of this isn't, Me taking a story from you to share somewhere. This is actually me giving you the stage to share your story. Uh, Tori Hope Peterson has um, a hoodie in her online shop that I love. And I'm going to butcher this. I should have pulled it up beforehand. But it says something like, something about the fact that people aren't voiceless Like they don't need, we don't need to be a voice for the voiceless necessarily. We just need to give them the space for their voice to be heard. And I think about that so often because we have grown up in this society of be the voice for the voiceless. And I think there are very few people out there in the world today that are actually voiceless. I think most of the time we just hold onto the microphone so tightly, we never get them a chance to share their own voice.
0: Man, what a visual. (sighs)
2: I'm feeling like so
1: exposed right the right now like it, 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 but it's a good feeling because don't you think that if you carry that a little bit with you it's going to give you some emotional intelligence to check yourself It's going to give you some self awareness to be like, it's not all about you. You know, we need to check again that ego at the door and we need to share the space. And I mean, I feel the power of that. I know John does too, and the weight of it, just simply having this microphone. And it's just such a profound gift to be able to have people like you and you know, these 300 guests that have come on to this podcast to just share what they know to help us all move through this world a little more kindly, a little more humanely. I'm just, I'm just here for it. So, okay, Christy, this is the mother of all questions for you because I've been wanting to know this entire time about a story in your life where philanthropy has come in and you feel like it's changed you. And I, you've had so many interviews and so many discovery calls. And I cannot wait to hear the one that has stuck with you the most.
2: All right. So this is a two-part story. Several years ago, I was raising money for December, And it got towards the end of the month. And I was several hundred dollars short of my goal. That year, I'd set a really ambitious goal. And I really wasn't even close. It was, Yeah multiple hundreds of dollars short of this goal. And so I sent out sort of a last-ditch post, probably on Instagram or something. I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're hitting the end of December. I'm, let's say, $450 short, whatever it was, of, of reaching this target goal. You know, if you can help, that'd be great. And I I don't know if I really even expected anything other than, like, this is my obligation to put this out here one more time. And later that day, I got an email that the goal had been met. And the entire donation had come from one person who I did not know very well. She was younger than me, um, you know. So there is this sense in my mind of how did she have four hundred? Let's say I don't actually remember the number, but let's say it was four hundred fifty dollars. Like this person who barely knows me just gave that much money towards this cause. Okay, so fast forward a couple of years later, I um, I live in Chicago. My mom was visiting, and I had a networking, uh, not, excuse me, networking, a fundraising gala to go to. And I had asked like, Hey, can I just bring my mom with me? She's visiting, please. No expectations that she's going to give. I just want to hang out with my mom. So (laughs) she came with me to this dinner and, you know, at the end of the gala, they made their appeal and my mom pulled out her checkbook. And I was like, Hey mom, that was not why I brought you. Like, I just wanted to hang out with you. This is a cause we care about, but I didn't bring you to donate. And she goes, no, that's why I brought this checkbook." And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, first off, I don't even have a checkbook. Like, what do, What do we have about like distinguishing checkbooks? And she said, anytime money comes in, we she goes, I take a little bit and I set it aside into a separate checking account. So whenever things like this come up, if I want to give money, I don't have to worry about it coming out of our budget. I just have money set aside for moments like this. And she's like, I think this is really cool. So I'm going to write a check. Y'all, that floored me. Maybe there are people listening who are like, this is not like, why are you so surprised at this? But I had never thought about that. And so I went home and I opened up a separate checking account. And now I do this. I squirrel away a little money, everything that comes in. And I laugh. It is my favorite debit card to use because now I get to be the one when I see these crazy, hey, we're $350 short of our goal or whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) let me pull out my favorite debit card because I got some money for that. And I, <laughs> this is I just epic story. you okay. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody knows like this debit card is my favorite debit card, but it has been the most fun money that I have ever gotten to spend because it gets to be used, not in my typical, like there are organizations that I give to regularly. That's not what this is, right? This is kind of I'll say play money. I don't mean to belittle that, but in the sense of like, the unexpected. And so that's my, that thanks to other people in my life who have shown me the way now I get to have a lot of fun.
1: Your mom created like a donor advice fund in her checking account. (laughs) And it gave you like this Oprah moment to be like, you get $350, (laughs) you get $350. Uh. That is an amazing segue. I'm and, glad and... your mom
0: was not the anonymous donor with this checkbook under <laughs> an alias. I was like, the spy connecting from the beginning
1: of the No.
0: Mom is spy this whole time. Uh, um, Christy Kern, I mean, you have validated every reason that we are just kindred spirits with you on in this interview. And so I want to give you space to like share your one good thing. How do you sum up a piece of advice and share that with this community? I don't know, but I'm excited to hear it.
2: I thought about this a lot, and I really think that it is either finding or creating a space where you can be vulnerable and make mistakes, and there are people around who will help you course correct and point you to a better place. I I was at the gym this morning. I go to one of these gyms that's like group fitness classes. And so they have trainers that walk around all the time, you know, kind of yelling motivational things at you and telling you, have 10 seconds left, don't give up. Adjusting sort of Becky's yoga pose because she can never stretch. Yes, got <laughs> yes. it. <laughs> I see it. So this is, okay, we're on the same page here because I, I showed up at this gym a few months ago and I was so intimidated, but I want to get stronger. Like strength is not really in my physical repertoire and so... I showed up at this gym and I was like, listen, I am so intimidated to be in this room, but I really want to get stronger and I need help. And I have kind of laughed because I feel like I have become the problem child. There is never not a trainer like hovering around me somewhere, like (laughs) correcting my yoga pose, you know, like constantly yelling, like you can do this or handing me heavier weights. And I noticed a couple of weeks ago, I always laugh that I feel like the gravitational magnet for, you know, course correction here. But I've noticed that they don't actually do this for everyone. And I think it's because when I showed up initially, I told them what I wanted. I wanted to get stronger. I was intimidated and I needed help. And I think that there is a lot of parallels in how I need to show up in this work of ethical storytelling. If I'm really intimidated to get it wrong, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help to get it right. And so I'm trying to constantly create ways that there are people around me who I can be vulnerable with, I can make those mistakes and that they will speak into my life and say, you kind of is that you probably shouldn't have used that word there, Christy, or did you really think about how that was going to come across? And that's really hard. I think it's really hard for any of us to allow that kind of input in our life. I'm not somebody who likes to get it wrong, but if I look at going to the gym, y'all, I am stronger than I've ever been in my life in the course of a few months And the thing that really is interesting to me is that I have not injured myself, despite the fact that I've been pushing my body so hard. And I think that that has got to be so true in this space of marketing communication that when I have people around me who who want to help me get better in those ways, who want to help me do it right, I can push harder than I have with a lot less fear of injury to myself, but also to the other people around me. And so I don't have the answer of how we always create that, but I am very intentionally looking for that in my life right now. And um, so that's my one good thing that I'm working on, if that's helpful.
1: (laughs) She's just like story told the most beautiful metaphorical mind, body, spirit, working journey that you're on right now. And I see it. I, I you're the first guest we've ever had on the podcast who said, No, we don't need to promote me or my business. Like we need to promote this idea. We need to get this idea trending. We need to get it to be commonplace. And we need people to be curious and try to implement it. And I just think you're one of the great humans in our world, in our midst. And thank you for opening up your journey to us of what you're learning because the openness of your heart and what you're learning is the thing that's creating ripples. So extraordinary. So, okay, tell people where, how they can connect with you, Christy, because I know people are going to want to get a hold of resources. They're going to want to look at your writing. They're going to want to see what you're discovering. Give us all the connection points.
2: There are not that many, but you can find me at christykern.com and I am back on LinkedIn. I don't know how long that will last. Um, You're so <laughs> good I'm about there. social boundaries. I am there at least for, for this season. Um, but I do, I would love to connect with folks. Again, I, I am learning all that I can. So I'm always happy to have conversations about how we can do this better. I'm happy to learn about best practices that other people are implementing. I will always, always welcome those. Connection. So find me however you can, but um come at me with it.
1: <laughs> and I'll say, like, we'll link all this up in the show notes. You drop some great links to ethicalstorytelling.com, which we've used. We use their ethical checklist, storytelling mm-hmm. checklist, and some of our packets. I just think there's some great resources there. So if you're curious about this, please reach out and friends, let's dive into this. Let's make this the norm. That would create a more humane space, and it's going to help our missions track, trend, and find more people. So thank you, Christy Kern, for being such a light to us.
2: Thank you. This has been so great.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can
2: think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us, and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom.